We praise you on high. Let's sing that one more time. Just your voices together, church. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Lord, we resurrect idols all the time, Lord, but we know, Lord, that you are seated on high. Lord, you tell us that you forgive us. Lord, we come, we confess our sin. You are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, not even just the sins of yesterday, but even the sins that we unknowingly will do in the future, Lord. Your grace is sufficient. Your mercy is new. We thank you that you have overcome the grave. Lord, we worship you and we honor you. Now, as we open your holy scriptures, Lord, will you teach us, grow our faith, teach us more of your peace, peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard our hearts, Lord. May you speak through Pastor Jesse now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, friends, say hi to somebody. Give a hug this morning. Meet somebody you don't know. Induce yourself. coffee shop or outside, please come in. All right. Welcome to Sierra Bible Church this morning. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Amy. If we haven't met, I am part of the staff here uh, at Sierra Bible Church, and I want to welcome you. If you are new or visiting, Go ahead and grab that information card in the seat pocket in front of you. That will tell you what's going on uh, during the week here. Uh, we also have a gift for you. So again, if you're visiting or new, um, you can meet us out by the info booth on your way out, and we'll have a little present to give you. Um, speaking of presents, if you are not here uh, in the last few weeks and you didn't know about our Sierra Bible Church uh, gray hoodies, we were giving those out. We were giving those out for free. Um, and so if you did not pick one up, or you just found out about it, we have men's mediums and women's extra larges left. So if you fit in those categories, we have a sweatshirt for you. And if you do not, I don't know if there's anything you can do about it. 
but those sweatshirts are out there as well as our hats. We do have plenty of hats, and so if you didn't pick up a hat, we want to give that to you as well. Um, as we roll into uh, Christmas season, I want to make sure you know that, in case you didn't, Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year. Uh, and so with that, we have three services. The 8.30 service is not occurring, all right? We do not have an 8.30 service on Sunday, the 24th. We have a 10.30 service. We have a 5 o'clock service. And we have a 7 o'clock service. All right, did you get that? No one's writing this down. So they're all the same. So they're all candlelight candle services, meaning... It'll be, it'll be a little bit different than our normal Sunday morning gathering. And so 10.30, 5 o'clock, and 7 o'clock will all be the same service. You can go to all three if you please. Um, but we will not have children's church on any of those services. Uh, we encourage you to bring your kids with you. Uh, we'll all kind of, you know, hang out in here together. There'll be plenty of space. Um, and so you can uh, pick and choose which uh, gathering you want to attend. But again, three gatherings on Christmas Eve. All right? Um, another thing I just want to remind you of is our community dinners. Um, we had mentioned this a few weeks ago, and we're coming up on the deadline for that. And what that means is that we are going to be uh, trying out a new thing where January through April, if you sign up to be a part of the community dinners, you are basically saying that, one, you want to host one of those months. You want to gather people in your home, um, and you want to host either January, February, March, or April. Um, and with that... It also, you're also saying that you want to come to a dinner, and you want to come to dinner every month. And this is a, um, an act of just providing a venue for fellowship and connection. It's not a Bible study. It's not a big structure. It doesn't have to be a fancy meal. Um, don't be intimidated by the idea of hosting or intimidated by the idea of possibly having dinner with people you don't know very well. Um, that is the point. Those of you that know each other very well, you're already hanging out. We're going to expand your community a little bit, all right? And so that deadline is next Sunday. You can sign up on the app if you want to be a part of those dinners, all right? No one's writing it down. Again, it's fine. It's fine. You all have really great, great memories. Oh, you have the app. There you go. There you go. Connect, connect with our app. Uh, lastly, in case you didn't know, we have a meal train ministry here where if someone is in need of a meal, whether you've had a baby or you've had a loss in the family or you've moved or whatever is going on, uh, we send out a meal train to an email group, and that group uh, volunteers to provide a meal for that family at the time. This list, I looked at it, it has not been updated in a while, and I think a lot of you maybe don't even know we do this. And so if you are someone that wants to be on that list and be notified when there's a need, then there is a sign-up list in the back for that as well. And again, this just puts you on the list so that you can be notified when a meal train occurs throughout the year. <sighs> okay, junior high. Did you listen to all of that or did you all leave already? They're supposed to listen to me before they leave. Oh, there. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You can go now. <laughs> oh, thank you, ladies. Junior high, you can head out. Um, all right, and with that, before Pastor Jesse comes up and we continue in our Advent series, we're going to watch a nice video. It's going to make you cry. If it doesn't make you cry, you don't have a soul.
It's good to see all of you. I'm glad that you're here. If uh, you don't have a Bible, will I just kind of say a couple little things here for a moment? Just raise your hand if you want to follow along with us, uh, and I'll tell you what passage to turn to in just a moment. Just raise your hand. The ushers will gladly hand you one. Just keep your hand up so they can see you. And if you uh, do have your Bible, get ready to use it. Um, My name's Jesse, and I'm part of the pastoral team here, so uh, really glad that you're here. Really blessed that you're here. As you know, we finished... Uh, we spent close to probably a year in Ephesians, and and uh, now we're in our Advent series, which is uh, just a fancy way in church history to say that we are celebrating the fact that our, our God has come and that our God will come again. That's kind of basically what Advent really means. And Advent, historically in the church, is, has been a time for us to take four weeks before Christmas and to celebrate the fact of, of what God has done, that he's infiltrated uh, humanity with his grace and his love. And during this season, as you know, we, we've been saying, okay, hey, uh, if you know somebody that, that you've been praying for, that you are asking uh, the Lord to, to bring to salvation, we ha- handed out last week a bunch of these little cards. They were in all of your seats last week. Hopefully uh, you had an opportunity already to grab one. And then they're also still available throughout the uh, the foyer outside, and there's just a card for you to place a name on, a name of someone that you're praying for, a name of someone that you maybe would intentionally invite during the Christmas season. As you know, we're trying to uh, just share the gospel in a, a, some clear ways this this season and give people an opportunity to receive the Lord. Uh, and so we know so there may even be some of you that are here from last week, and the reason you're here is because someone put your name on a card and they love you, and they believe that what is going to be shared here is is the most important, most beautiful thing that you could ever hear, that you can be reconciled to God. And so if you're here and someone invited you, we're really glad you're here, glad that you could come. Uh, I want to encourage more of you to continue to uh, invite folks. I, I wasn't here on, um, on Monday. The front row's the best, by the way. It's the best. Front row's the best. Perfect. I try not to spit on you. I know, it's, it's crazy. Um, and uh, so I came in on Monday. <clears throat> I didn't preach last week. Brad did. He preached on hope. And I listened to that message. And then I came in on Monday before the rest of the staff uh, was here and, and walked into the foyer and saw at the time there was only three panels. We put up another one because you guys put so many names up there. They were totally full. It was totally packed. I think there's over 150-something names. And my my soul just kind of just was moved at the fact that you took time to write names down. These are people. These are people who are made in God's image. These are people that have all kinds of stories. I don't even know what those stories are, but it just moved me to know that there's somebody praying for those people. Somebody's inviting those people, and and I think that as a church, we cannot, we cannot uh, lose uh, sight of the commission that God has given us to share this message of hope with anyone and everyone that we possibly can. And so this is a season just to remind us that, hey, God still saves people. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus still saves people. Did you know that? Amen. Uh, and, uh, you know, this morning some of you came in and you were, um, you, were, you were possibly greeted by a fine gentleman out here on the street. I don't know how many of you saw Nate. That's Nate out there. Nate comes to church here on occasion. Uh, Nate is part of our homeless population. He was here at 8 o'clock uh, in the same fashion he was. Some of you may not be aware, but... You know, he's in the front of the parking lot. He has no clothes on. He's dancing around and shouting and yelling. He's, he's ill. He's not totally uh, mentally healthy. But more than anything else, he needs to be reconciled to God. And I'm thankful he's out there. I'm thankful that he's yelling at us and screaming at us. First of all, it makes my job more entertaining and a little bit more fun. 
uh, because I like those kind of things. Uh, and, you know, they're, and secondly, I, I believe God's in the business of healing people just like that. And I would rather him be over there yelling crazy things where other Christians will go talk to him and pray for him than for him to be downtown where he's just making noises, right? We know what to do with people like that, don't we? Pray for him. Uh, I think he's still out there. He was talking with Caleb. I thought he was going to beat me up, which would have made for a really interesting Sunday too. <clears throat> when I initially was telling him he should, he should maybe move on or put on some clothes. And uh, speaking of clothes, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but I have on uh, one of the most attractive sweaters you'll ever see this year. <laughs> Every service is so funny how you guys react and respond to things. So I wore this to our, uh, our leadership Christmas dinner last night, and, and after wearing it, just so you know, this, this is a, a official Sierra Bible Church sweater, right? And, um, and it has two reactions. Reaction one, which is similar to what most of you gave, so I'm thankful for that, which is, oh, give me one of those, right? And then a few others have come up to me and said, what the are you wearing? <laughs> Literally, and I said, don't talk like that. I'm, I'm a pastor. So, um, here, here's what we're doing for you. These, these also were donated. We'll be handing these out here soon for you. Uh, we actually have um, we, they, so many. You guys are laughing. Don't laugh. It's not a joke. They're really, you too can look this good. All right. So, we got them coming for you. We'll, we, I think we're going to hand some out if they're in in time next week for our regulars. And then we have enough to give our visitors on Christmas Eve. So, uh, you, we've. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so we've spent all this time in Ephesians, and, and on occasion, you know, people will joke that we spent a long time in certain books, which is kind of funny to me because I know, I know pastors and ministers that spend incredibly, you know, a lot longer than I ever would in a book or have in a book. Uh, but this morning, you know, we're in the season of Advent, which is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and it covers four themes. Hope was the theme that Brad preached on last week. I'm going to preach on peace this morning. Uh, and, and since, you know, we finally got out of Ephesians, and now we're entering into a new, uh, a, a new uh, a series we started last week, uh, I thought it would be appropriate for us to dive into the Bible uh, as we're used to and turn, if you would, please, to Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. So um, I actually don't teach any other book but Ephesians now. So, <clears throat> And uh, there's a reason for it. And if you want, uh, because of brevity and time, Ephesians 2 is important uh, in this passage. There's a couple passages in Isaiah if you want to kind of make sure you're ready to go there. And as well as because it's Christmas into Luke, uh, the gospel of Luke chapter 2. But the reason I wanted to mention Ephesians, one, because we're familiar with it. We've been in, in, in that book. Uh, and so we've understood some of the principles that are in Ephesians for those of you who've been regular with us. If not, that's okay. It'll still stand alone. But, but I want you to see here in chapter 2, starting in verse 12, uh, again, what Paul has been trying to share with, with our identity and who we are in Christ. And our identity is a big deal, right? Because in this particular passage and in Ephesians, he's trying to draw us into the personhood of Christ, our oneness in Christ. The gospel so prevalent in those first chapters, uh, and then it gets into the practical side of things. But uh, if, if you're able to this morning, as is our custom uh, and our kind of tradition to love the Lord and get our bodies involved, uh, would you stand with me as we read from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12? And like I said, we'll be in a couple different passages this morning. Uh, and the title of the message here is Christmas Peace, or another way 
that I've maybe tagged this would be peace like a river. And so in Ephesians 2, chapter 12, Paul starts out by saying, remember. And there's something that he's specifically in this passage calling us to remember. And the call to remembrance is to remember who we once were and who we are now. And so he says, remember that you were at, you were at that time. This is uh, before having faith in Christ, pre-Christian, pre-believing. Before that, you were at that time, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world, and now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Right? That's our title this morning. He, Christ himself, he is our foundation of peace. He has made us both one. He's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. And that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the, Christ, through the cross, thereby, therefore, thereby, sorry, killing the hostility. And he, speaking of Jesus, came and preached peace. And he preached to those who were far off, and he preached to those who were near. And so, Lord, we ask now that this message would be preached to us through your word and through me as a vessel. Help us all, Lord, now to remove distraction, whether in this room or outside of it from our previous week or the week to come. Give us peace now to hear your still, small voice. Bring us comfort. For those who've been invited and those who will be invited, those names on the board, we ask, save with your mighty right hand, Lord. And we trust you for it in Jesus' name, the church said. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. What do you think of when you think of peace? I think it's interesting in part that we're talking about this, not only because we typically in this season will have a conversation about peace, because peace is one of those messages that is shared when we talk about Christmas. Right? If you remember the first message that came, if you, in this particular passage, it mentions a couple different things. One, it says that God himself has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. I want you to take note of that word, hostility. I think another way to say it would be conflict. In fact, when we think of peace, peace is defined as a, as a life or a situation or whatever it may be as a situation without conflict. And there is conflict in our world, right? It can be as petty as the conflict between Apple and Android or Mac and Windows. It can be as petty as that kind of conflict of Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi. Uh, we could even debate that here if we wanted to. I'm sure I could elicit uh, some responses uh, in these things. There's Republican versus Democrat. And of course, now in our culture, more than ever, we see nation rising against nation. We have Israel literally at war with its neighbor. We have Ukraine and Russia at war with one another. They're to be neighbors. In fact, I think uh, a few years ago, I had shared that when you take all of all of the history as we know it, thousands of years of history, out of thousands of years of history, only I think 200 years have seen peace. Uh, and, and even then, there have been skirmishes and wars. I mean, as people, we can find uh, a reason to fight about just about anything, could we not? I mean, we literally will argue about anything. 
And we live in a world of conflict. And this conflict comes, this lack of peace comes because of the fall. And we experience conflict on, on, a, on a lot of different layers in many different ways. And we can see how the conflict that we have ha- has been this slippery slope uh, from one kind of conflict to the next, one struggle to the next, right? Because peace is to be without conflict. The Hebrews would say shalom, which is just another fancy way, their way of saying to you, shalom to you, peace to you. Uh, the definition of shalom is, is peace to you as everything should be, as it ought to be, as, as God originally created it to be. It was a way of saying, shalom, may, may your life be as God intended it. May your soul be as God intended it. May the world be as God intended it. It's almost like saying out loud the prayer, not my will, but your will be done. Shalom, let there be peace on earth as there is in heaven. But we're not there. Right At one time, mankind had peace. Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden with God, and they walked unashamed. They walked with complete tranquility. Everything was as it should be. And then Eve partakes of the apple. She falls. She, she allows herself to be a part of that relational ruin with Adam and, and God himself. And the first kind of conflict that they experience, and it's the first conflict that most of us tend to be aware of, is what we would call psychological ruin, right? The first thing that happened with Adam and Eve, if you remember when they partook of the the apple, Satan came into that garden. He initiates the conflict. And the first conflict that he brings into their life is the conflict of God's word. Did God really say what he said? You should be conflicted with what he has told you. You, you maybe shouldn't believe exactly what God has told you. Is it, is it really true that if you partake of this apple that you're going to die? Or is, it, or is it rather that you'll be like God and, and God is a jealous God and he really doesn't want anybody else like him. So you better not eat that apple or you'll be like him. Right? Satan enters into the scene, creates conflict within one's own psychological mind, They're the peace within themselves. Uh, and the result after she partook of that apple is that she now knew something was wrong with her. She knew that there was a difference with what she was supposed to be and who she is now. Can, can I if, I, if I can somehow try to get you to understand this reality that, it, that I think every single one of us from birth end up at some point realizing that we have a conflict within ourselves. None of us are at really, really, if we're honest, especially without Christ, we're not at peace within ourselves. I mean, how many of you are really happy with who you are? I mean, how many of you are really, really like satisfied with the life that you lived? How many people do you know that just are excited and enthusiastic about their love life, their work, their job, and their marriage? How many people in our culture would you say are marked by an enthusiasm to live life? Now, statistics tell us otherwise. I think since 2020, LA Times said the signs of depression since COVID have tripled. Right? That's conflict within self. That's psychological ruin. And so God enters into the, into the world because he wants to solve in part this psychological ruin. And we see how Adam and Eve, play, how this is played out because what does Adam and Eve do? What do they do as soon as they find out that they are naked? When they find out that they are no longer clothed, they know something's wrong. They know they're not who they once were. They know something has changed. And so the first thing they do is they go and they cover themselves desperately trying to fix themselves by covering themselves up with fig leaves. And you know what? Every human being has been doing the same thing ever since. 
trying to cover up our conflict, cover up our depression, cover up our shame with just simple fig leaves that just won't do the job. And we're so out of sync with who we're supposed to be that most of us in this world have no clue who God's really made us to be at all. So the first conflict that that God has come to solve is the conflict that is a psychological conflict. It's something that is inside of us. We're not at peace with ourselves. And then secondly, there is relational ruin. Psychological ruin and then relational ruin or relational conflict. Because of Adam and Eve's sin and because we're children of Adam and Eve, you and I now have relational ruin. How many of you are at peace with everyone you've ever met and ever known? Right? In fact, we see this again in Genesis chapter 3 at the fall, right? Because, because at Christmas time, Adam got, Adam got in the Garden of Eden what every man in this room is hoping for at Christmas time a beautiful wife with very little clothing delivered to him while he's sleeping. I just said it out loud so no one else would have to. Adam had everything that he possibly needed. He had good food. He had good right relationship with God. He was given a beautiful woman who would be a helpmate to him, someone who was equal to him, someone who was made in the image of God. She is beautiful. She is splendid. She's everything that a man could ever want or dream of. And as soon as God confronts them and asks, I can tell that you have psychological ruin. You have conflict within yourself. What is it that you have done? Why have you done this thing? Why have you eaten? of this apple. And do you remember Adam's response? It was this babe you gave me. If she wasn't so dang good looking, I would have never eaten the apple. Why did you have to make her so beautiful, Lord? Now, I am obviously, uh, you know, playing with the text to somewhat be silly, but that is the reality. God gave him perfect relationship with himself, gave mankind reconciled relationship with God, reconciled kind of relationship with Eve. And instead, when sin enters into the world, he doesn't actually take blame. He never says, you know what? Lord, I made a mistake. God, I I listened to someone other than you. No, instead, he does what we all do. It's their fault. And because of this great fall, and this is, again, this is why God is saying in Ephesians 2, remember, remember, at one time, this is who you were. You tried to fix yourself with fig leaves. It didn't work. You tried to blame shift your problems to something else. It didn't work. But you know what else is interesting is there's a third aspect of all this that's actually ruined as well, and that's our relationship with nature itself is in conflict now. Our whole lives are marked, without Christ, are marked with a lack of peace and conflict. Relational ruin, psychological ruin, and now even in nature itself, nature's against us. No one knows this better than the ladies. Genesis chapter 3, in childbearing you will experience pain. Nature itself is against you. Childbirth is difficult. Men, it says when you work, it's no longer going to be just satisfactory. It's going to give you thorn and thistle, which literally means that your work will never feel like it's done. You'll never feel like you're fully rested. Nature is against you. Romans 5.12 says, Sin came into the world through one man and death through one sin. The final conflict that you and I have is the conflict with nature when it finally leads us to death. Our last conflict is death itself. So God comes, he says, listen, you need to know. 
right? And if you've come and someone has invited you, the reason they've invited you here is because they love you, they want you to have a relationship with Christ, and they want you to know that right now, without faith in Christ, you are alienated and separated from God. Because these three things are important, right? Like, it's important to know there is psychological ruin. That's why there is depression in the world. That's why there are prescription drugs for those kind of things. That's why this young man is over here yelling and screaming for God knows what reason. We're a broken people inside of the brain and inside of the heart. There is a relational ruin. We can't get along with one another. And nature is against us, whether it be tornadoes or death or what have you. But all of these things stem from one conflict, and it's the conflict that every human being has with God. See, every single one of us this morning were born with a lack of peace. We were born into conflict, which literally means we were born at odds with God. That's why he says here, you were strangers of the promises. You you were an enemy of God. He wants to kill the hostility between you and himself. You see, you can't deal with, listen carefully, my friends, and listen carefully, especially if you've never been to church before. Christ wants to deal with your psychological ruin, your relational ruin, and what it feels like to live in the natural world. But none of it can be solved, and none of it matters unless you deal with your conflict with God. All conflict in the world, relational, psychological, otherwise, comes because people prefer their own way, and they find satisfaction in what God has made and not God himself. And because they find satisfaction in that which God has made, everything is broken because it makes us at war with God when we live in that way. This is what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God infiltrating the world and bringing peace to humanity. And to a degree, it's all partial peace, right? I mean, like, like as a Christian, I can tell you, because I've gone through all kinds of, you know, sanctification in my own life, that, that I have found, I have found peace with who I am. But every now and then I do look in the mirror and go, I hate myself. Every one of us does that. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that it's gonna, like, it becomes less and less as you find out who God is, as you find out that God loves you and, and, and that he's given you his righteousness and that he has forgiven you of your sin and that he wants to walk with you and talk with you. And all of these beautiful things, when you recognize that and you finally go, man, you, you start to realize that God doesn't care about your performance. He cares about your heart. Did you know that? You know, one of the ways that I know this is Luke chapter 2. Right, because what happens, right? In the same region, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, told you we'd go there. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, how many of you know shepherds at this time were on the low end of the social totem pole? This is... This is the equivalent, if you will, of the, of, to a degree of a socially ostracized person out, in the no, out of nowhere, out in Compton, out in the ghetto, homeless downtown, whatever it may be. That, that's what these guys are. They're ostracized. They're seen as somewhat dirty. And in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, first of all, this is one way that you understand that the true gospel is being preached because the only glory that is being elevated is the glory of God himself. 
And this is what these common shepherd men are experiencing, is the glory of God shining all around them, and they have the only correct response that one should have. Awe and adoration, great fear. This is the God of the universe who's now in our midst. And then God sends this angel to them, and the angel says to them, fear not. Quit tripping. For behold, I bring you good news. Right, again, they're in conflict. They don't have peace themselves. I'm sure they have inner conflict, social conflict, all kinds of conflict. And God comes to them and tells them, hey, don't trip out. I actually have good news for you. That's what you need this morning. That's what those names on the cards need this morning. That's what the guy needs across the street this morning. That's what your neighbor across the street needs this morning. They need the message and the proclamation of the good news that Jesus Christ cares greatly about all of humanity, not because of what they do or don't do, but because of everything that Christ has already done for them. Right, so we pray for these individuals, we elevate the glory of God, and we recognize that this angel speaks, and listen to what he speaks. It's important, again, if you're new this morning, or if you need your faith to be built, notice he says, for you is born on this day, in the city of David, a savior. Those are three important things that all of us need to just rejoice in. Number one, it was a literal day that it occurred on. A real historical day that Christ, that is God, infiltrated the world through the Virgin Mary in the form of a baby and then lived 33 years of perfection, died on the cross, resurrected from the dead to defeat death because we can't defeat death. In a real city, he was born to be our savior, to save humanity from their conflict. And he says, you're gonna have a sign and the sign this will be for you, it'll be a baby. It's a good looking baby, huh? Doesn't that look like a, photo, like a, a photograph? Yeah. yeah, I painted that. <laughs> it's just a hobby. <laughs> so here's this baby lying in a manger. And then as he declares that, suddenly it says, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts. More angels show up. Right? Common nobody out in the field, and the gospel goes first and foremost, my friends, to people who recognize they need it the most. Those who understand that they need a savior and need a Christ, need healing, need forgiving, need reconciliation, and need peace. Those are the only ones who will ever come to faith when you finally admit, I have need, and you're done living life according to your own rules and your own inclinations and your own desires. No more of that. And so God comes onto the scene and says, with these angels, glory to God. Again, there's the message. Glory to God. We elevate him. We lift him on high. And on earth, peace. This is the message preached to these individuals in the field. This is the message that is being preached to you this morning, that in Christ, you can have relational peace. You can have psychological peace. You can have peace with the world in which you live in, but it will never occur until you first make peace with God himself. The Bible says in Isaiah 48, when we describe peace, listen to what he says in Isaiah 48. Oh, verse 18, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Right? Oh, that you would at least, li- this is God's way of saying, if you would just listen to me, if you would hear what I'm trying to tell you, he goes, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Right? The righteousness 
God's righteousness, he says, he's describing Isaiah, when you become a Christian, his righteousness, which is his holiness and his beauty, it crashes over you. It comes over you like the waves of the sea. It absorbs you. It saturates you. It doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter what your present is. It doesn't matter what your performance is. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he has crushed you with his righteousness. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a, in a way of just pure, obliterated joy. That he just waves over you and he gives you his perfection and he gives you his beauty. He gives you everything that who he is is accessible to you as a believer. Come on. It comes over you. But he says, but his peace in this passage, he says, the peace that God supplies, it's like a river. Isaiah 66, 12 says, Jerusalem, behold, I'll extend peace to you like a river. I've had seasons where I've, I've done more walking uh, than, than normal. It's Christmas season, so I'm not walking. I'm only eating. <laughs> Just fasting from walking for now. <laughs> to the glory of God. And I, I'll take a journey, and I, I, sometimes I walk down through here, down to the dirt, and, and pass a few houses, go down to the Legacy Trail, go down to the river, just sit by the river. And I know many of you will sit by the river. And so I've had, I got the opportunity this week to think about this passage, to think about peace, uh, and to just take some time, as I think is the best way to do with Scripture. And you just look at the verse, and you ask, okay, what is peace? And what is peace like a river? And what's this word righteousness? And just to meditate on these words. And I started to think of the things that God's peace teaches me if we are to compare it to that of a river. First of all, a river is not a pond. It's not stagnant. It's dynamic. There's a dynamicness to God's peace. Right? It flows in and it flows out. The believer receives peace from Christ and gives it everywhere that he possibly can. But it's also filled with serenity, right? A river is dynamic. There's a, 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 a flow to it, but there is a serenity. There's a calmness. The, uh, at night, even now, I actually put on the sound of an ocean or waves or rain, water, to help me fall asleep. The rhythm, it's serene. It brings peace. But again, right, it's, it's dynamic. It's also very powerful. It doesn't take a whole lot uh, playing around in the ocean and the waves to realize how powerful water is. Right, I remember when Travis and I first, uh, Travis who served so ministries in Mexico, we went down to San Diego together. We moved to San Diego. It was like, like deep November, so it was really cold, right? And, and we're Truckee boys. So both of us grew up in Truckee, born in Truckee, right? We're the kind of kids that would run around and, and barefoot in the snow kind of thing. And so we show up to San Diego in November and we go down to Mission Beach. And you know who's hanging out at Mission Beach? Nobody. Because people in Southern California think it's cold in November but we did not. <laughs> and so we jumped into that ocean, right? And we're the only two white boys just running around, look like, of course, I'm sure there are people walking by going, they must be from Tahoe. <laughs> Crazy tourists. Uh, and, and, and if you've played in the ocean, you know whether it's been in Hawaii or whether it's in SoCal, like it just, it, it just overcomes you. God's peace is powerful. It's dynamic. It's filled with serenity. Rivers, though, are also very life-giving. They're a source of life, providing water to ecosystems and nourishment to all kinds of living beings. They're a place of flourishing where individuals and communities will gather around. Societies are built along the river, not in Truckee. We, we put our industrial stuff by the river. But most places take the river as a scenic place to be, to, to, for people to come together to enjoy each other's company. 
Rivers have been symbolically associated with healing, rejuvenation. You know, think of the cold plunge, if you will. But the, I think one of the greatest aspects of, of, of water running down a river is watching how a river overcomes its obstacles. Have you ever noticed when water comes up against an obstacle, what water does? Right? You and I, we, we, we enter into conflict and we're like, come on, we'll get through this. We try to push it through. The Spirit's saying to the church, maybe you need to chill out. Right? It's like, again, like the gentleman outside. That gentleman outside, because there is a spiritual dynamic happening there, what's happening with that young man out there is, is he's saying things and doing things to get a rise out of you so that you'll enter into conflict with him. But the Christian in Christ doesn't go, oh, I'm in conflict. The Christian says, what's going to happen now? I'm on a journey. At one point at 8 a.m. this morning, this gentleman took his glasses down. He looked at me to make sure I could see his eyes because he wanted me to feel threatened. And what I love, I don't always feel this way, but in that moment I was like, bring it on, Satan. I'm ready, dude. I'm going to preach in a little bit, so... Right? Like, I have nothing to be afraid of. But then I thought, I don't know if this sweater is going to look as good if it gets dirty and he beats me up. <laughs> you know, all these things are going through my mind. And I'm just trying to make sure, you know, that I look my best. <laughs> so as we, we get ready here in just a few moments to, to kind of conclude and we think of this reality of God's great peace... God wants to give us a psychological peace, a relational peace, and even a, a peace that helps us get through life, a tranquility, a, a fluidness to it, a solidness to it, a, a dynamicness to it, that, that we're, we're, not at, we're not at odds with God anymore. And if God is for me, then who can be against me? Right? I, I'm, I'm a lot like a lot of you this year. Right? My wife and I, we're, we've got four kids and... Um, you know, my oldest is, is uh, 13, which just means, all that means when your kid gets older, really, all it means, is, is that they eat everything. And it's a good news. It's just real good news because groceries are really cheap. Right? And so we're like a lot of you in this season, right? It, financially, things are tight. Probably tighter than they ever have been for my wife and I. And in the past, I would, I would get anxious and I would say, we got to make change. We got to do this. We got to do that. And I get all, now I've come to this place in my sanctification. It's not that we don't plan and we don't budget. And we just, you know, do whatever we want. That's not the case. But now I'm at that place where I go, man, like, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to die with debt? Peyton will take care of that. It's my oldest, right? I'm good. I won't even know about it. Why am I worried? It's going to be a good Christmas this year. <laughs> My point being in all of this is, is even for myself as a pastor, life, life comes at you. And you know what? I don't know what 2024 is going to hold for all of you in this room, and I don't know what it's going to hold for me in this room, but I've been doing ministry long enough to know that, that in this room and in our church, someone, someone may pass away. Someone's going to get diagnosed with cancer. Someone's going to go to the hospital. Someone's going to need a meal. Someone's going to need a hug. Someone's going to need a prayer. This, this year is going to have something that happens in it. And God holds it all in his hands. And I don't have to worry about tomorrow. And if you're a Christian this morning, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. 
You don't have to worry about your bills because Christ holds you. And again, I'm not telling you not to pay your bills. I'm not telling you to be irresponsible. But I am telling you that your Savior has told you be anxious for nothing. But by everything, prayer. Right, bring it to me. You see, when you understand that you're at peace with God, you don't have to fight yourself anymore. Because Paul said, even Paul said it. Like if Paul said it, you're going to say it. Oh man, I do the things I shouldn't do. I don't do the things I know I should do. You can almost hear him. I can. I can hear him crying. Gosh, I wish I did the right thing. You know, when I was at the bank, I knew I should have shared the gospel with that gal, and I didn't. All right, you cuss. Oh, Lord, I cussed at that person. I got mad. I cursed him out, Lord, and he's made in your image. I feel so guilty. Like, you're going to make those mistakes. You're going to... And the Lord's just going, guess what? That's why I lived a perfect life. I knew you were going to cuss at your neighbor. God's not surprised. He's just know that you're at peace with me now. Would you just be with me, sit with me, walk with me, know my peace? And, and, and as you know my peace between you and I, I'm going to empower you to bring that peace to everyone else who needs it. And when problems come across, whether it's marriage or kids or a guy yelling across the street, you know it's a problem, you know it needs to be solved, you know that there's work to do. But you know that God's peace is forever. And you know that you're no longer at conflict with him when you know you're not a conflict with God and that God has solved that conflict, he, he covered you not with fig leaves, but with his precious sinless blood so that no one could ever accuse you of being naked again. No one could ever accuse you of being, being filled with sin. Satan doesn't have those words about you. And I come to the conclusion of what do we do to receive this peace? Because some of you may have been invited and you don't know. Isaiah 53, which is quoted by Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, tells us that Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus, and it tells us that he brought us peace through his wounds. He lived without sin, he suffered and he died, he was smitten by God, and he bore our griefs, Isaiah 53 says. He took our griefs upon himself. So this morning as we close, and I ask the question, what must one do to be saved? Which is the same question people have been asking Jesus all the way from day one. Tell me what I must do to be saved, Jesus. And if you remember, a rich man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to be saved? You remember what Jesus tells the rich guy? Go sell everything. And the man walked away sad because he had many belongings, it said. You know, Jesus wasn't saying in that moment, I know it's easy for someone to maybe take that verse and say, you know what Jesus was saying was, if you sell your stuff and you deny all material things, you'll be saved. That's not what he's saying. He knew that man's heart. Paul says, I have a desire. I want to do the right thing. But Paul knew this man's heart. He told the man, really what he was asking the man was, do you really want to worship God or do you want to continue to worship your things? You see, the man wanted his cake and to eat it too. He wanted to worship his materialism and he wanted to be saved for eternity. And Jesus said, you can't have both. And the man walked away sad because he was unwilling. He was unwilling to make Jesus his everything. He still wanted to hold on to something. And so this morning again, you say, how do I get peace? Romans 5.1 says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a few things in the verse the main one is this. You have peace in God by believing in God. 
It's faith. Faith alone is what saves you. And some of you are going to leave here and you're going to go, surely just believing isn't enough. What, do you think you're going to earn your way to heaven? Do you think you're going to somehow outdo Jesus and his good works? Do you think there's anything you could do good enough that would be really held in honor and worthy to God? You remember what it says in the Old Testament? Your, your good deeds are like filthy rags because we have nothing to offer God apart from being in, in love with God. And so we put our faith in the Lord so that we can be justified, which means that we're forgiven of our sins and now we have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. Peace through faith. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You're not gonna be good enough to get it. It's God at Christmas time who became man to do it for you and he did it perfectly, amen? amen? And so this morning it would be my prayer that you would know that if you put your faith in Christ, you are no longer at conflict with God. And that is really good news. And that brings peace to every other facet of your life. Would you stand with me as we pray together and we respond in song? <clears throat> a couple of things real quick as you stand. Um, just so you're aware, one, there's some, um, uh, on the webpage and on our newsletter, uh, there's some information about year-end giving. So some of you are thinking about that. There's some information on there. You can't have, for those of you who are trying to make sure it gets in between, before uh the givings, your givings given before 2024 and counted for the year. Uh, it has to be postmarked. All the information's on there. There's an opportunity for you to give to our staff at Christmas time. That's how they get their Christmas bonus. So if you want to do that, you can. And I'll just communicate on those envelopes. Not everyone knows this because some of you are really new, but on those envelopes in front of the seat, if you give, you can designate your giving to just about anything. But I want you to know something. When you give to the general budget, when you give to the church, there's a portion of that that is automatically by the leadership is going to be designated to go towards all kinds of different things. Other missionaries, benevolence in the community, uh, all of that, as well as keeping lights on. But then some of you say, you know, hey, you know what? I want, I want my funds to go to guys like Nate, which is our benevolence fund and our deacons fund. There's a box you can check on that envelope. If there's not a box there and you want your funds to go to something else unique and special, just write that in there. Because uh, God has been good to our church, we're able to honor all those designated gifts, whether that's to sow ministries or Basque or benevolence or the homeless or whatever else it may be. Uh, just make that note on there. And, and we ensure that 100% of those funds that you designate go 100% to where they're supposed to go. Uh, the only exception would be is if we, we weren't able to pay our bills. And we haven't been in that place in, I don't know, 30 years or so. Uh, and then we got a couple guys that are going to be joining our um, uh, our elder team after the first of the year uh, as an in interning. One of those guys is going to be joining us uh, back on the team is Pastor Wayne. Uh, for those of you who know Pastor Wayne, so I'm excited to have Pastor. Pat, it's those of you who don't know, <laughs> did somebody just do drums or something? <laughs> we get a tuba. Um, <laughs> So uh, I'm excited about it. One, I worked with Wayne for several years. He was the pastor before me. Uh, and uh, next week, uh, I, I have asked him to uh, bring the next Advent sermon series. So uh, those of you who haven't got to hear 
Wayne's uh, thundering, booming, preaching uh, radio voice. You'll get the opportunity to be blessed by Wayne next week, and uh, I'll be finishing the rest of my vacation time during that time, and then I'll be here for all three Christmas gatherings uh, on that day. So please be praying for that. Be praying over the next coming weeks. Uh, I do believe that the Lord has some people that he's going to call to himself in this season. I think there are going to be some of those names on there. In fact, uh, I can say this here, but there was an individual this morning. Uh, this was their first Sunday back to church. Uh, actually, it was her second Sunday back. She was here last week, and she wrote her husband's name on there. Her husband said that, you know, the church is going to judge him. The church will never want him or whatever. And just, again, just tell you a neat story how, how God's working. He was here uh, at the first service this morning and she came to me she said we prayed for that card and he's here and she's like and everything that we've been talking about you preached on it and I was like oh that's because we bugged your house <laughs> whatever it takes <laughs> let's pray Ah, uh, Lord, I don't know why sometimes they're so goofy, but um, I thank you for laughter, and I thank you that, that, Lord, you're happy with us. And it isn't because we do a good job, but it's because you did the good job. And so we thank you. Thank you for laughter. Thank you for, for tears. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for salvation. I do ask, Lord, that this would be an incredible season for us as a church. And that you'd bless our people at Christmas time and you'd give them peace and that you would use them to bring peace to other family members. We ask that you bring healing and reconciliation to people. That they won't have conflict in their lives as they, they once had, but reconciliation. And we trust you. We know you can do it. And so now we respond by giving you our voices, giving you our song, giving you our presence. We trust you now for the season. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. God bless you. All together, church. Oh, come. Joyful and triumphant Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to
Yeah, Lord. 